Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock. How are you? Good morning, Rhonda. Good morning, James. I'm caffeinating, and you know, for me, that's an all-day project, so I'm working on that. And by the way, I'm talking to you in my long sleeves, and there's a nod to our fellow Republicans in Missouri. <laughs> oh, good. Yes, where they make sure that women don't show their bare arms, because, oh, boy, that would be too dangerous. No blazer, but long sleeves. <laughs> the Taliban. I know it. Oh, I love this topic, James. This is such an important topic. I am so glad that you that you are looking at this. <clears throat> and your your program the other day actually uh, provoked a lot of thought on my part. And here's here's where I where it is when we lose our love for truth, and that's individually, collectively. It starts individually, of course, but when we lose our love for truth, we open the door to a host of ills. Uh, It always starts small. You tell one little lie at a time, or you believe one little lie at a time. And over time, these lies that we are telling and the lies that we're believing, they grow in size, and actually, they metastasize. That's what I have seen until... We reach a point where of, of just full-on delusion, where boys can be girls, girls can be boys, fill in the blank, delusion. But it doesn't automatically jump there. It goes one little lie at a time. There has to be a solid objective standard of truth by which we can measure our lives and structure society. If there is no solid objective standard of truth, society and civilization will fall apart, and then nothing matters anymore. And incidentally, the lies that we believe have a tremendous amount of power over us. I mean, whether it's lies that you believe about yourself, about other people, about God, about life, Lies will always imprison. I I know this because I've had to do the deep, hard work of uncovering lies that I have believed that have imprisoned me. And the antidote is always truth. It is always truth. That what what lies imprisoned you, Rhonda? What what are you talking about here? Okay, well. Um, For instance, the lie that I had to be perfect, I had to get it right, that failure was not an option uh, in order to be accepted, loved, that kind of thing. Those shackles are hard to break, but they can be broken with the truth. Lies that I'm not worth anything if I don't A, B, and C. I grew up in a very performance-based culture, and that's a killer. Uh, because then you're always falling short because the goalposts always move, right? Wait so a minute. Wait, can... a, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. So All right. I come from a performance-based culture, too. I work in one. If you don't perform, you know, you get the boot for somebody that can, right? And so one of the things for achievers is you always set the goals for yourself, and you now you, you you may not be able to make all of those goals all at once, but you never stop trying. 
So what is the harm in having a performance or growing up in a performance-based environment where you're urged to perform, where you're urged to succeed, where you're urged to achieve? Well, the harm comes in if your personal value and worth are attached to that. Or for me growing up in a very religious community, whether you would, when you feel that God's approval is attached to it, that's the part I'm talking about. I'm not talking about achieving, shooting for excellence and setting goals for yourself. That is a separate thing. But if your personal value and worth are attached to it and you're depressed, if you can't make it, you, you just can hardly function, your self-worth is in the dumps, then that's a different thing. And when you attach, well, I'll, I'll just go deep here. If you attach God to that, uh, who has unconditional love for each one of us, and if you feel, and I felt for years, James, that I had to earn his love and approval, and it, it completely exhausted me. That was an exercise in failure and defeat. And so when I really learned for myself the truth that God loved me without limit or condition, it was not attached to my performance or lack thereof, it changed my life. And that's just one example. Mm-hmm. So where are we today with truth out there? Um, let, let's let's talk specifics, and let's take a break first, because the clock is true, and the clock says, <laughs> i got to take a break. True. Okay. And you better do it now. <laughs> Rhonda Schrock, America's okay. Small Caffeinated Mom, is with me. We're coming back. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't go away. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Stanley Clark brings us back. This is the first Stanley Clark record I ever heard, and I still <laughs> love it so much. It's called Lopsy Lou. An amazing bassist, an amazing musician. The one, the only, Stanley Clark. Let us get back to America's small caffeinated mom and... The small part, if you think small, meaning stature, you're dead wrong. What are you, like about five feet, four foot, 11 inches, uh, uh, three feet? No. uh, (laughs) Five feet tall. You're five feet tall. (laughs) So that's why. And your boys tower over you. 
They tower over me. Funny little story, actually. When I uh, landed the column gig for seven years, I wrote Grounds for Insanity in our local newspaper. And I walked into the newspaper offices one day to meet the publisher for the first time. And he knew, of course, about my boys and my story. And he looked at me with a surprise, a look of surprise on his face. And he said, you know, with your four boys, I thought you would look like this. And he held his arms out real wide, like I would be a barrel shape. He said, but I guess you can keep control. And I looked him in the eye and I said, I can keep control. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love now, it too. So. I tasked you the other day. I asked you to do some homework. And, and, and thank you for being so willing. Um, because when this whole thing first came up, with George Santos and all these cries, he's got to go. He's a liar. He's like him looking like some of the president of the United States is a liar. So if we got rid of all the liars in Congress, Washington would be a ghost town. If we got rid of all the liars in the lobbyist community and, and Congress and all of the staffers that lie and, and, and people in communications business that lie to us on a daily basis, the people in the media, the whole, the whole swamp would, would be gone almost, be a handful of people running that city. Why is all this fuss over one liar? And besides, as far as the public is concerned, the American public is concerned, I don't think most people in the American public care whether people tell them the truth anymore. They're so used to hearing lies. It's just become the new normal. Lying is the new normal. And I asked you, I said, Rhonda, can you put together an essay for me on the importance of truth as you see it? Because I wanted to hear your thoughts. What would you come up with? Well, okay, so I'll read it to you. Um, I was raised on the Kansas Plains. My great-grandfather arrived on those windswept plains as an infant in a covered wagon. They were salt-of-the-earth folks, these kin of mine, wheat farmers, scratching a humble existence from prairie soil. In the summer, my siblings and I watched as ordinary fields turned into golden seas of grain, kissed by the sun, tossed about at the mercy of the wind. At harvest time, we rode in Grandpa's combine and chewed wheat till it turned into gum. We received our formal education in a little country school. Reading, writing, arithmetic, history, science, and art, we learned them all. Vocational training for us meant learning how to work. Despite well-organized campaigns involving letters written in Crayola to the Labor Commission, we were forced to become responsible, diligent people capable of holding jobs and keeping bosses happy. Our spiritual training took place in a small country church. On hard wooden pews, we squirmed our way through sermons and study school. We learned Bible verses, stories, and songs. We learned the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would like them to do to you. This, of course, was quickly forgotten when a sibling took the last cookie or yanked your braid, but still, we learned that there was right and there was wrong. We learned that character mattered. One of the cardinal sins in our childhood home was telling a lie. The wheels of justice may turn slowly everywhere else in the world, but not where we grew up. If one of us told a whopper, we'd set to praying like we were Billy Graham, asking the Almighty to keep the eye of Sauron from falling upon us. <laughs> it never worked. And that quick, we'd find ourselves at the bathroom sink, having a bar of ivory soap introduced to our tongues, molars, and uvulas. We'd burp soap bubbles for two days afterwards, but we did learn something important. It isn't good to lie. We learned that character mattered. All these years later, this is still the truth. Character does matter, 
and it isn't good to lie. Telling the truth and keeping our word will simplify so many things. It will show us who and what we are. We may not be able to get by anymore on a promise and a handshake, but our word ought to be exactly that good. When we love the truth, it will set us free. It will strengthen our homes, our cities, our states, and this country we love. The truth. You know, I didn't have a, I didn't have the same kind of upbringing you 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 had in some ways. I didn't get the, you know, we used to hear about that. I'll wash your mouth off with soap. You actually, you actually, no, you actually experienced this. Is that that's yes. what you're telling me? You? Yeah. You had you had your mouth washed out with soap for lying. Oh yes, we did. Absolutely. I, pre- I think I would have preferred that to what I got. <laughs> Oh, you had the Board of Education applied to to your. Uh, I, I had the belt of education. <laughs> I had the I had the belt of education applied to me, and you know what? Wow. It didn't stop me either. I mean, what mm. what? You know, it didn't. I'm just I'm being honest. Okay. It didn't stop me. You know, I for a while I had to come to some really. I went to church. I was in the choir. I knew the rules. And I, I, I was hard-headed, mm. and you know, I was one of those. The rules matter, but it's not expedient for me to be honest right now. So let me just do oh. this. And you know, that's such a good point, James. Uh, you bring up a really good point. When we protect other, or like our children, for instance, uh, and ourselves from the consequences of not dealing truthfully, uh, that has bad, bad results. When mm-hmm. we, as a society, don't allow our children anymore or other people, okay, so you're seeing this in your own state, right? Your criminals are not being forced to experience the consequences of their actions. And it has a deeply damaging effect on society and on an individual. So it sounds Absolutely. like what you're, you had to run into some hard things that brought you face to face with the truth. And apparently at some point you were ready to embrace it. Is that how it went? Yeah. It's like I had to actually, you know, sometimes you do things wrong and you know you're doing it wrong. Yes. And you do it anyway. And yeah. I think that that is something, and I don't care, no, I used to get my butt kicked, okay? My parents were not having it, okay? Um, we grew up, we used to call my dad the general because he was, um, he was, he was, in spite of the fact he was the kindest man I ever met in my life, he was amazingly brilliant. He was my hero. He was all of that. He was a strict disciplinarian, and so was my mom. And I was something of, a mischievous child. I wanted to explore things in my own mind and arrive at my, as I look back on it, the way I explain it to myself is I was intellectually rebellious. I wanted to experience things on my own terms. Okay. So yes, I would get my butt whipped and I would do it again and get my butt whipped again and do it again until finally as an adult, it took me as an adult before I had to actually uh, deal with the fact that I had let my own ethical standards for the truth slip. Yeah. And it was a hard realization. 
And it was difficult. And after that, it was okay. Now, I, you just said it. I'm ready to embrace what I've known all along. Yeah. That that there is this standard that you have to keep for yourself. And because mm-hmm. if you don't do it, you're never going to really like the person that you are. That's right. Well, you know our oldest son's story. It was very much that way with him. Every time, you know, he went in his journey with addiction, every time we thought, surely this is his rock bottom. Surely he will turn around now and choose a different way. And he would manage to find a new low. But there finally came a point where it was actually rock bottom for him. I mean, he had to face really hard consequences. And in his situation, some of those consequences will be with him for years. Now, the wonderful thing as faith-based people, you know, God may not spare us from the consequences of all of our choices, but when we embrace the truth, which he is, he walks through those consequences with us. And so as a mother, that gives me great comfort when I look at my son and his current journey. He does have consequences for those choices, but he will never go through them alone. And he, they are teaching him and guiding him on his path of redemption. Wonderful story. And the truth is the truth. And it is not relative. The truth Mm. is the truth. Rhonda, thank you for being with us. America's Small Caffeinated Mom. Thank you. We'll talk again. We sure will. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, your call is coming up here on WABC. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't go away.